I welcome you again for the sake of the recording to the Carolina Bible Group Bible Study Voice Room. Uh, again, welcome and uh, thank you for taking a, a few minutes of your morning to join us to look at God's Word a little bit. The uh, study for today will be study number 48 in our series. We'll we'll get back on the series this week. Last week we uh, I felt compelled to divert from the series talk a little bit. And we talked about some of the, the things about Easter, <laughs> so-called, that uh, they kind of need to be looked at and, and discussed and studied out. And uh, But today we'll be back on our, our series called Prayer Through the Dispensations. And the, the date for today is 4-11-21, April the 11th. Our, our purpose in all this, the purpose for this study series is to look at prayer in the Scriptures and how it's used in different dispensations relative to mankind and our communion with our Creator. Prayer is our wireless communication with our Creator. He has not just dumped us here and left us without a way to talk to Him. And how great is that? How great is the fact that we can communicate with our Creator, the one that, that created and put us here? You know, it may seem in this dispensation that that God is silent, and He pretty much is, except through the movings of His Holy Spirit. Uh, back in the, the Old Testament days, God's voice would boom forth from heaven, and it would shake mountains. And uh, but but that hasn't happened in uh, in thousands of years because of the dispensational changes, and that, that's something to remember. That uh, God has not always been silent in the heavens. There was a time in dealing with Israel uh, when when they were under the dispensation of the law that uh, that God's communicating with mankind was slightly different from the way it is today. So kind of rest in that as we we move through the various looks at how God uh, uses prayer uh, down through the various dispensations. Uh, for our last study two weeks ago, we looked at prayer in Philippians chapter 1 uh, with regard to the word prayer or a, a derivative of it uh, that was used in verses 4, 9, and 19. Uh, but for today's study, I want to continue our search uh, for prayer in the present dispensation. And that's that's the amazing thing about the books that we're looking at prayer in now. We're all the way down to the usages of prayer in the current dispensation, the dispensation of the assembly of the body of Christ. And so these looks at prayer should be especially meaningful to you because they have dispensational implication because they occur during the same dispensation you're currently in. And and they are literally truth for today is why we why we call the organization truth for today. They they literally are uh the the prayers that we're looking at right now in the in the scriptures literally are truth for today, and uh, that should the, just the fact that it has a direct impact. And these scriptures were not written for us; they were written to us. That's that's the difference, and and they should be uh, heeded, I believe, as such. So uh, I want to continue the study today by looking at the final usage uh, in Philippians. We never did get to look at the usage in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. So turn with me, if you would, this morning as we begin to the, the epistle 
to the Philippians uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote. Uh, chapter 4, and let's look at, I'm going to read all, all the verses in chapter 4 because I believe, not, number one, that they're important for the context. Number two, there are some dispensational aspects of chapter 4 that, that I want to quickly cover. And uh, for your consideration, you could agree or disagree, but i got some dispensational things I want to say about uh, some of the verses in chapter 4. So turn with me there if you would. The usage of prayer in verse 6, incidentally, is going to be uh, prosuke. It's the noun uh, whenever we get there, for those of you who are wondering. So read with me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, my brethren, and therefore always means, uh, Dad's stop, look, and listen study always pops into my head every time I see the word therefore. So when you see the word therefore at the beginning, especially of another chapter, you really need to go back and see well, what did Paul say before? Because what he said before he says, therefore, has a bearing on what he's about to say. And that's that's how you remember. Stop, look, and listen. Well, what did he say? And what is he about to say? So, therefore, my brethren, Paul says, or because of what I've just said, my brethren, basically, dearly beloved and longed for, he loved these Philippians. He met them in the Acts period. He went the, the first trip through there at Philippi. is recorded around Acts 16, Acts 17. And Paul loved these people, and these people love Paul. Now, if you don't leave with any other fact that I say today, leave with that fact. Uh, you can search that, that one out and check it out all you want to. But I believe, even if you do, we're going to come to the same conclusion. Paul loved the Philippians. And the Philippians loved the Apostle Paul. So he calls them my dearly beloved and my long for, he says, my joy and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord. Because of what I've just told you, because of everything I've said in the previous statements and verses, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand. What does that mean, stand fast in the Lord? It means to dig your anchor in. And if this is a if this is a uh, a truth for today book, which I believe Philippians is, what do you what doctrine do you believe he wants them to stand fast in? Well, my suspect is that the attacks were already beginning, and and the doubts were already beginning to happen about Paul putting forth this. This new gospel, or a an updated gospel, this truth concerning the assembly, the church, the body of Christ, and I, I suspect that in some cases it wasn't being received very well by those at Philippi, in just a few cases anyway. And I'll prove why I believe that in just a few verses. So it says, My dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He said, I beseech Iodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, evidently, these two guys had a difference of doctrinal opinion concerning some point of doctrine. I don't know what it probably was. You got no real way of knowing but I suspect that it could have been some differences in the uh, between Paul's new message 
and Paul's old message and the fact that Paul had updated so many things as he went along through that some people were, you know, they, they loved him and they believed him, but they may have just been getting a little wore out with all the changes. Because during this, this was a very turbulent period in God's dealing with mankind and a lot of things were changing very quickly. And at the end of the book of Acts, the nation of Israel is set aside totally and completely for the time being. Not com- Well, not completely forever, but the clock for Israel is basically unplugged. And it's neither Jew nor Gentile now, but they're all one new man in Christ. And for a lot of folks, that would have been hard to swallow. And I, I suspect that there was some pushback against the message. Now, you and I know that those that would see that message had already been chosen from before the catabole, even before creation existed. So God already knew who was going to accept it and who didn't, but we necessarily don't. That's why it's our job to put forth, hold forth the word of life concerning the mystery, the truth of the dispensation of the age that we live in, the body of Christ. Not the kingdom, the body of Christ. But I suspect that there were some that were in the kingdom that were having a little bit of problem dealing with that. And so he beseeches these two, Iodius and Syntax, that they be of one mind, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I think they were women. They might have been. The... From the names, I really can't tell. Well, the note may say that they're women. The note says that they're feminine. Oh, okay. So they probably are women. That's that's a good catch. I did not. I didn't. I didn't particularly look into their names. But if they were women, and I've noted that sometimes, and, and I'll use my mother as the case, she had a hard time. Yeah. My mom had a horrible time moving from the the belief in the kingdom that the Baptists normally hold over to the fact that you don't have to be a Baptist or anything else. Uh, all you need is Christ and you're, oh, by the way, you have a different hope than they do. That was tough for my mom. And I remember many, uh, how would we say, a, a passionate argument about that between her and dad, sometimes with things flying through the air. <laughs> well, she saw... Uh, you know, she'd heard this all her life, and all of a sudden, yeah, here was a change. Here was, well, here was something different. Exactly what you're talking and that's about. exactly what Paul is doing here when he when he busts this on the Philippians. He says, "Hey, I got a new revelation, and I don't know everything there is to know about it yet. I will I will learn more, but this I know that I, I'm reaching for that out resurrection, and I bet they're saying what." Paul, what what are you talking about? What now? You know, we saw you change from a Pharisee to an apostle of Christ, and now you want to change from what you've been preaching for years over to something else. Put yourself for just a second in the shoes of a Philippian and try to think what that must have been like. You would have been thinking, man, this, I don't know about this guy. He's, you know, I, I could see what he was saying about the kingdom, but now he's, he's just, it's something totally different. Put yourself for just a minute 
in the place of Philippians. And that'll, it'll make it a whole lot easier to understand what we're about to read. And the fact that these two mentioned in verse 2 are women makes a whole lot more sense. And Dad, I appreciate you bringing that forth. Because let's read verse 3. Because three is, 3 is one of those verses to me that I get it. And it, it's not a problem for me. But I've had to talk to a lot of folks down through the years that this verse kind of throws them for a loop concerning the church the body of Christ it says in verse 3 he's already told them what to watch for and to stand fast in the Lord and then he tells them I, I wish these two women could be of the same mind and then he says and I entreat thee also now entreat there is the Greek form eroteo and it means to request, to ask, or to beseech. So I'm beseeching thee also, true yoke fellow. Help these women which labored with me in the gospel. He knew them by, by their first name. Paul spent years with these Philippian people, yeah. and he was as tight with them as, as our Bible study group is now. You gotta, you gotta remember the humanity of the Apostle Paul as well as everything else. He was a real, live, living, breathing human, and he had friends, he had enemies, he had likes, he had dislikes, he had this, he had that, he had to go to the bathroom just like we do. Everything was the same as far as that goes, except for the way he was driven with the gospel that he was entrusted with. So he says, I beseech thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women. The word help here is interesting. It's the Greek form, solombano. And it, listen to this, it means to clasp or to seize by implication to aid, to help, to assist. And he literally means to take them or, or grab them and help them. You know, get these women's attention and help them. Well, get get their attention and what? Well, he's about to tell us. Straighten them out. Yep. Which labored, past tense, labored with me um, in the gospel. Well, what gospel? I believe that he's talking about the kingdom gospel. Yep. These women have come down to me and they are still there. They labored with me in the kingdom gospel. He says, with Clement also and with other my lab fellow laborers. And here's the key. Whose names are in the book of life. Let me make it clear to you this morning. Ronnie McCurry's name, I don't believe is listed in the book of life because I believe that book belongs to the previous dispensation. Yeah. I think maybe one of them was wanting to go and the, and the other, other was, was not. Wanting to hold and they back. were probably pretty good buddies. Yeah. If you get down to it, they were really close friends yeah. and it was driving a wedge in there. And Paul said, let them be of the same mind. 
Well, he's already told them earlier in Philippians, have this mind. I'll tell you the mind to have, Paul says. The mind of Christ. And let them be of the same mind. Yeah. And here he says, I'm begging you, I'm beseeching you, yoke fellows, help those women, grab them and assist them in what they need to believe. To move the two together as one out of the book of life yep. get them out of the book of life and in, into the into the into the church the body of Christ I, I totally believe that I don't have a problem with this at all he knew these people the Philippian people are the same people that he met for the most part when he went through Philippi in the book of Acts yeah so this verse shouldn't throw you I don't believe for a loop whenever you get there because Paul guess what He's allowed to refer to the past. He's allowed to say, hey, y'all remember when we believed this? Now we believe this. He's allowed to refer to people who had a belief different from the way they believe now at one time. That's okay. It shouldn't throw you for a loop. you got to read it in the context in which Paul put yourself in his place as you read these things. Know what he knew. As you read these these books that were written for the church, the body of Christ. He can refer back to people in the previous dispensation. He loved them. He made that perfectly clear in the first couple of verses of chapter 4. He still loves these people with a passion. And I hear that Yodius and Syntax, they're, they're at odds. Have them be in the same mind. And, and grab them and help these women. And claim it also. And all the rest of them. You, I can hear him saying it. I get it. I understand why he would be so passionate about it. But he, he clears it up when he says whose names. Well, Jack, Jack seemed to think that Clement might have been uh, somebody with experience in, in the church. The deal that they was in. And, oh yeah, and very likely. Yeah, Philippi. was very familiar with the situation. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how his role played out in this either, but they they listed them all together, kind of as being in the book of life. And whoever it was that was going to read this, Paul was hoping they would all get them straight. Jump in there and help. That's, that's exactly what he's asking for. Yeah, it's a good point. I wrote a note on this in my in my notes here. I said, in this verse, Paul is clearly referring to other believers from the Acts period, Kingdom Hope, as indicated by their names being listed in the Book of Life. Yeah, because I had a call. Believe it or not, strangely enough, uh, I talked to a lady last week about this Book of Life thing. I think it was my, might have been Miss Jacobs. I'm not sure. But she she had some confusion over this. And I explained how I felt about it. And she's like, oh, well, I've never thought it thought about it that way. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember the, what Paul knew. Put yourself in the, in the mindset and in the mind frame of where the Apostle Paul was. The people he knew. The things that he knew. The things that he had seen. The battles that he had fought. The trials that he had been in. Well, All of them make a difference in what he writes and how he writes it. Yeah, because if, if you go back from 
what he's telling these people in Philippians now, if you go move your, yourself back into the, the dispensation in the past, all the way back to the middle of the book of Acts, you've done some big... You, oh, it's a heck you, of a job. You've went a big journey. Exactly. And they were they were with him, yeah. buddy. When he was in when he was in Philippi, he had them lock, stock, and barrel. They were yes, Paul, whatever you need, buddy. We're on it. Yeah. But now he's now he's coming at me with something different. Nah. Yeah, it's gonna it's, cost. It's gonna remember the turmoil that the church caused. The 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 knowledge in in my family down through the years. The knowledge of the church, the body of Christ, has caused some division. Now, we have worked through it and prayed through it. And thank God now, all of our relationships are just top notch. Everybody recognizes where everybody is and everybody respects everybody else's position. Even my sisters. Yeah. We don't, we don't have any consternation about what everybody does as far as going to church or how we worship or any of that stuff, all that's past. I can say that with confidence. But put yourself in Paul's position back in this place when he wrote this book. And all he's got to hear is what the messengers are bringing him about. Well, you know, so-and-so, you know, Epaphras or whoever it was, it was reporting back, Tychicus, whichever one it was, was probably saying, well, you know, they got some problems with this couple. They're not really, they're not really seeing eye to eye. One sees it, Paul, the other one don't. And they're, they're really struggling. And so he's taking care of that in his letter back to them. Yeah. It's not rocket science when you think about it. No. Paul was a personable guy. Very personable guy. And he had the relationships that he had in the Lord, those were his family and his life. And he loved them with all his heart. Well, his expectation was, at this point, was still kind of up in the air. He didn't know how long he was going to be there. He didn't know how long he was going to have to get all this put out. And he wanted these people to have a testimony of the last news that he had. And I don't believe he knew all the details yet like he did when he wrote Philippians. No, I mean Ephesians and Colossians. He don't have the Ephesian truth. He don't have the Colossian truth yet. He has a new hope that he's trying to attain to, and he's trying to get that across to the Philippians. And I think some of them are saying, wait a minute, I need more information. Well, he just didn't have it, I don't believe, at that point. But they, they were to trust him. They had to trust him. That's hard to do a lot of times. It is. With a, with a person. It's hard well, to trust them that much. We, we, we've even lived through it. We've, life, exactly. So. Exactly. exactly. I can almost, almost just inch for inch, not to the degree Paul did, but there's a lot of parallels through what we've went through down through the years and what Paul went through. And I think that may be true with a lot of you that are sitting under the hearing of my voice. That you too. Because of what you believe concerning the truth about the mystery, the church, the assembly of Christ that is joined with Christ as his body in the heavenlies at a different day than the Lord's day. People start going, wait, what? What are you talking about? And it becomes a problem. In a lot of families, it becomes a problem. 
Yeah, even I seen somebody mentioned that you know, Doherty mentioned like leaving the Catholic Church. Oh yeah, people look down at you like, well, what are you doing, joining a cult? <laughs> I've I've been accused of being a cult leader. Yeah. It was a joke at work. Steve Hughes used to call me that all the time, and I'd just laugh it off and say, well, <laughs> if that's how you want to feel about it, then you know I can't change your mind. There, it's it's out there that that. Uh, problem with what we do is always going to be out there y'all it's always going to be there let's move on so he says in verse 4 well here's the answer rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice don't we Doherty again I say rejoice what a verse amen there's no uh, there's no extra written in the notes with that no. either. So you, what, what else can you say? Yeah. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord for what he's done. Paul says, let your moderation be known unto all men. Now here are some instructions for those who are teaching this to go along with them to help them. Mm-hmm. If you jump out there like some crazy zealot, you're not going to be listened to very long. And I have learned that down through my years and they're getting to be more and more of them as time goes along but you got to let your moderation you have to do it moderately and you have to listen more than you talk let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand he's right there with you rejoice in the Lord because he's right there with you that's a hard thing to do though you know, uh, it was understood that if you were called before the council of the 70, wherever they convened or met, the Lord was telling these people, and he told Paul especially, don't make up what you're going to say before you get yeah, there. Yeah, I'll provide it. When you get there, I'll provide That's it That's a good you. point. When your mouth is open... The Holy Spirit will speak to them what I want them to know. Yeah, the more you plan it, the less you let the Spirit work. So I think this verse here is exactly that situation. I agree. You know, Larry never, I don't mean, I don't think he had one note in the whole time I ever saw him speak. He never got up there with notes. Come to think of it. Maybe. I think he had a few in his Bible really? as he went from place to place. But he knew what he was going to say and what he was going to present every time he ever stepped up. Well, they said he never had a test sermon either. So yeah, exactly. Sure. And then here's our verse, verse 6, the one with prayer in it. And it's a little confusing unless you put it back correctly in the Greek. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Well, let's go back and let's take that apart. Let's unpack that, as they say at work. That's one of those new corporate buzz buzz phrases. When they say something, they say, well, let's unpack that. Like it's a, a box of something. And, you, and usually it's a box of something that ain't all that great. Yeah, it worked. But here, it's a great thing. So let's unpack this a little bit. Careful there is the great word merimaneo, and it means be anxious about, take thought of, basically to worry. Be worryful for nothing 
and nothing there is the Greek word medias, not even one thing. Don't worry about even one thing. Like the song, I heard it again this morning. It says, if you have time for worry, you got time to pray. You got time to pray. It's a very good statement. And that's, that's exactly, that song sums up exactly what this verse is saying. Don't sit around and worry about something. Just Not it. even one thing it says. Just bring it before the Exactly. Be anxious. Don't worry for not even one thing. Contrarywise, or the but there should be contrarywise, uh, in all things, by prosuke, prayer to God. Number one. And number two, diocese, supplication. Now, I believe that both are applicable in this dispensation. And that uh, that supplication is not going to net you a new car if you pray for a new car. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you up front. Not going to happen. That's not in the scope of what supplication is intended to be for. I'm sorry. It's just not. I don't believe it is. Now, if you pray for somebody else to be blessed, that's a different situation. I believe the Spirit will let that filter right on through. Very powerful verse, you're correct. Be careful for nothing but in all things by prayer, and that's prosuke, the noun as I said, prayer to God, thankfulness to God, and supplication, diocese, which means a petition or a request. But in everything by prayer and these uh, petitions and requests with thanksgiving. And everybody knows what thanksgiving is. Let your request. You see that word? It's not diocese, y'all. Even though supplication in its definition means request, a, a, a petition or a request. This is the Greek form atima, which means a special petition for a particular thing. Yes, you can get, you can get very targeted with your request. Did you know that? Lord, I specifically pray for Tony McCurry's fingers that they would be healed. That would be an example. According to your will, Father, as it works out according to your will. I believe the Spirit would hear that. And I believe that would be, would be, would make it to God's vow, full of prayers, that literally turn into something tangible in the heavens. Did you know that? Amen. I believe that. So that's what this Atima means a special petition for a special or a particular thing. This was a powerful verse this morning. I'll agree with that. When you're studying about prayer and you get to Philippians 4, 6, you got a lot to talk about. And we did. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving. You gotta temper it by being thankful yourself. Let your special request and petitions for particular things be made known unto God. You pray to God the Father. He can handle it, trust me. You think it's a small thing? You think God ain't got time to fool with it? You think anything really taxes God? Then you don't know the same God I do. Nothing is too much for the God we serve. Nothing. And I totally believe that. Be careful for nothing and everything but prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Praise the Lord. What a verse. Then he says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, isn't that that a truth, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This whole thing is about bringing the others up to speed with where you are by prayer, by supplication, even if you have to specially request that God do it. And then the peace of God, Paul says will accompany you in all that. It passes understanding. Well, the peace of God. Your heart and mind has to be in connection with each other and and in that adjustment with each other to allow the Holy Spirit to do its work in you. Amen. Even through other people uh for God's grace. Amen. And I totally believe that all this is stemmed from the report he got back about the Philippians and some of the consternation they were having over the new revelation. This is the wisdom that's asked for that I started out in my study almost two years ago. Exactly. And 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 I come to understand, and not only in this place but in other places, it, it says your mind and your heart should be together. Should be in line, Mm -hmm. and then the Holy Spirit can really use you. That's that's part of your that is part of your gift of being in the body of Christ, even where you are now. It's the mind, much less in in times to come. Totally agree. So he says, finally, brethren, verse eight: Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. You see how he's repeating this? That's for emphasis. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Keep your thoughts on the stuff that matters. Not on stuff that he don't. gave you a list of eight. I, I I read this verse and I thought about how often and how long do I think about stuff that just really don't matter that much. Boy, I'm horrible at that. I do it all the time. Well, I believe the number eight there is the new beginning. Yep, that, might be. That it gives you <laughs> if you got your heart and mind together and letting the Holy Spirit work through you, then that's a new beginning. Yep. Whether. And I think that's what he was asking for these women, that they'd get together and get it right, and they could have a new beginning. Well, here's the admonition in verse 9, to your point. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Full stop, as Dad says. Yeah. 
everything you've heard me say and do and what you've seen me do, you do it, Paul says. You see that? And the peace of God shall be with you. There's a there's a reward for doing what Paul just yeah. told them to do. The peace of God that passes, he says, passes all understanding. Isn't that something? What you just read there was the end, actually, of chapter 3. Mm-hmm. So you go back to verse 1 when you said the therefore. Therefore is the word all comes That from. brings it down to Amen. the place. Amen. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Verse 10, that now at the last. You see that, that term at the last? I believe that means now, now he's returning to the present day from the little trip to the past we just made about all those believers whose names are in the book of life. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, he said, but you lacked opportunity. He said, now that, now that I speak in respect of want. He said, for I have learned. There was a time, evidently, that they were hindered from being able to help Paul a whole lot. But now he said it's not a problem. He said, before you lacked opportunity. You didn't even have an opportunity to help me. He said, but now it's different. He said, not that I speak in respect to want, wanting anything. And then he says this, and this is another good lesson in, in Philippians 4. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith or within it, to be content. Boy, that's hard to do for for us humans. I am a very needy person. Lori's looking at me like <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad looks can't kill because I would have just been y'all would have been listening to a, a blank mic or a, a dead mic. Yeah, when I said I'm a needy person, she looked at me like, boy, you ain't, you ain't saying the half of it. Cause I probably ain't. I am a very needy person. And, and doing what Paul has been able to do here, for me, I'll admit is very difficult. I like security. I like comfort. I like a lot of those things. Paul didn't have a lot of those things. As a matter of fact, he championed in, in his sufferings. That's what he championed in. But he said, I've learned that wherever I am, whatever's going on, whatever state I'm in, he says, therewith to be content. What a verse. You see why I didn't want to skip any of Philippians 4 today? The more I read, I'm like, no, we're going to have to read all this. Too much going on. And I'm running out of time, though. Let's move on. He said, I know both how to be abased, verse 12, and I know how to abound. I know how to be on the low end and on the upper end. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed, or I have been initiated into the secret, uh, he says. Into the, and this is basically said, uh, everywhere and in all things, I have been initiated into the mystery. Look at the note in the companion Bible. Mm. That's amazing. Both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. There were sufferings that had to be fulfilled in Paul that were not fulfilled in Christ. Did you know that? 
He had to fill up that which was behind of the sufferings of the Lord, according to God, according to God's plan. But he says, don't don't fear. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. What What a book. What a book of inspiration Philippians is. He says, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. He said, you've done well to help me with, with my afflictions here. And now, now we're going to take another trip back to the past. So get ready. He said, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, do you see that? We have rewound back to the Acts period again. Because he refers to when I departed from Macedonia, he said, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And there were many times he mentioned in the in the Acts period epistles that he wrote about how the Philippians had once and again come to his need. He said, and see here, for even in Thessalonica, well, if you'll remember when he left Macedonia, there's Thessalonica, and right on down the road, he said, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. And boy, they hated him. Paul really got torqued with the, he really torqued off the Thessalonians. Well, I think, when he well, I think he mentioned that uh, he had taken, evidently what he had been given, from those in Thessalonica that to really help the Philippians really got the benefits from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. He said I didn't charge nobody for my exactly for my gospel, but he says I took it from one and gave it to another. another. Yep. So that's how he worked. So you see, he's re- I think he's rewinding again here. He's remembering back. Remember, he has a life with these people prior to their introduction to this new message. That's not. That's not rocket science to try to figure out. Paul hasn't got the mystery and forgot everything he ever knew. He just didn't. So he says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I don't need a gift. I need fruit that goes on your side of the ledger, he says. Right. Now that's something to remember. Somebody wants to do something for you. Don't you cheat them out of being able to have that fruit. And it took me a long time to come to that realization. That you can literally cheat people out of their blessing by not accepting something. Because they thought long and hard about it usually before they do it. Whether it's a big deal to you or not, it was a big deal to them. And it should be so. Verse 18, he said, But I have all in abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus. Well, there's the messenger. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't remember the name. I have received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, probably gifts and other things, and odor, you see, and odor of a sweet smell. That's what is said of the prayers in the throne room of God. Absolutely, yeah. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. The things that were done were well-pleasing to God. 
It's not of works, lest any man should boast, but let me tell you something. Your works, God sees them. Well, you're not saved he, he by He may have it. caused it to be there. And he has foreordained that walk that you should walk in it, according to Ephesians. Right? Yeah. He said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Wow. And then his closing prayer. He said, now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you in the palace there. He said, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Well, that gives you the clue as to where he's writing this from. You wonder why they call it a prison epistle? <laughs> Written from prison. He had already said, I, I hope I'll get my salvation soon, earlier in the, in the epistle. But he said, they that are of Caesar's household salute you. And then he closes, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, be with you all. Amen. He truly loved the Philippian people, and the Philippian people truly loved the Apostle Paul. Man, I didn't even scratch the surface of what you can find in chapter 4. But remember this as a takeaway. It is okay for Paul to refer back to a previous dispensation and the people that he loved within that dispensation. Whatever it was that he promised, according to that gospel, that they grabbed onto and believed, they still had. And it's still in force even today. There are those that never saw the mystery, that, that were Jews or grafted in Gentiles, that will someday have the hopes that Paul promised them, according to the scripture, in the first seven epistles that he wrote concerning the kingdom. That will happen. They will have a part of that city or whatever the, whatever, uh, hope within that dispensation they have. I think that's his joy. And then the ones that believe this is his crown. God just keeps piling it on, as I always say. He never takes one thing away without giving something better. And here, here is the perfect example of that if ever there was one. That's his joy and crown. That he had a, he had participated in both of these revelations of God, both not only to his people and the grafted in Gentiles, but to just Gentiles according to the promise of the mystery hope of the, the assembly, the body of Christ. So we'll close there for today. Bow with me and, uh, we'll close in prayer. Father, once again, we do thank you, Father, for this word, Father, for the book of Philippians, Lord, and for all that it means. Uh, I remember the joy that rushed me as Dad studied it, and Father, that joy is even more abounding today. We thank you so much for the truth of your word, Father, for the humanity that just blooms through when we read it. Father, we thank you for being able to have the keys to rightly divide the scripture and to make it understandable and logical and, Father, to make it make sense as it should, as we know you meant it. 
Father, thank you for these blessings. Thank you for all that have come this way. Thank you today the most of all for the Lord Christ Jesus and for the blood he shed and for the redemption and the grace that we enjoy within it. Be with those that need a touch from you today, Father. You know the names and the situations. Father, in each and every one, as as we have mentioned uh, both today and in the past, Father, we pray. Along with all those that we think of through the day that we sometimes can't even remember the names. But, Father, we know that you know even our thoughts. We pray for them uh, out of our love for them, Father, that all things will be done according to your will and your purpose. For us in Christ's name today we do humbly pray. Amen.